0: Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Prescribed Truth. I'm Jamal Bandy, the one who seeks to distribute the truth that a doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. I want to go on and say thank you to all those who watched the first part of this series and gave you feedback and the input and the shares. I really do appreciate it. Um, Thank you for your likes and everything else. Um, I hope that this becomes uh, continue to be helpful um, as we go through this discussion. And um, man, I I really do hope that I don't take as long to do this second part. Our last part went long because, uh, of course, I do all my stopping and starting. But also, we had to go through that text Matthew twenty-five, and so uh, this time we wanted to worry about that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we're gonna go back a few seconds just to get some context, and then we're gonna go on from here and try our best to get as far as we can. <laughs> I'm not going to make any promises of how far we're going to get. But we're going to get as far as we can uh, with KB's comments here. Uh, we were at 3 minutes and 22 seconds when I ended last. Like I said, I backed it up a few seconds. So we're going to start it just about before the 3-minute mark. And then going from there. This this video is itself 14 minutes and 47 seconds long. Um, so, yeah. So you know we got ahead of ourselves. If you want to contact me, you can do so by emailing me at prescribe.truth at gmail.com. Uh, You can call me. The number is in the description. You can call me, leave a voicemail or text your questions or whatnot. You can do that there. Also, um, if you want to support this ministry financially, you can do so by joining me on Patreon. Only a dollar more a month. You can really help the show, the podcast and the content that I do. I really do appreciate you guys. Um, I had a new patron this week. Thank you so much for your contribution. You know who you are. I'm really grateful for you guys. grateful for all my patrons. So um, I really do thank you guys. You don't know how much it means to me, uh, especially in this time like this as um, as we go forward and times get crazy. So the fact that um, someone decides to contribute to this, knowing what everything is going on and this craziness in the world, it, it says a lot. So I really do appreciate you. Um, so, yeah. So let's get started. And uh, <laughs> let's see where we go. I just
1: want to say two things to you real quick. Number one. I would encourage you to not make your first contribution critique. Don't let your first, don't come alive to give instruction. Not that your instruction isn't true or good, but you have to realize that rules without relationship often incite rebellion. So let your first contribution be compassion. Let it be compassion. The second thing I wanna say to you is,
0: OK, so he stops there. Now, I know I addressed a part of this in the last video, so I won't go down the whole rabbit trail. But it, it, it seems to me that when he brings in this last part saying, don't let your first contribution be critique. And after he says all the other stuff he says, he says, but let it be compassion. Why? Di- why differentiate the two? Why make the distinction as if if you give critique then you obviously don't have compassion? If you have compassion, then you're obviously not going to give critique. I mean, as a Christian, I think that's very far-fetched, very far-fetched, because we're called to have compassion on sinners. We're called to have, called to have compassion on the world. And with that compassion, we give critique. Guys, when we go and tell someone that their sin is causing them to be in enmity with God, that's a critique. We're, we're giving them criticism. You know, we're being critical in what we're telling them. That's just the truth of the matter. Now, you can be critical in different ways. You know, some people go out there and be critical of people's sins in a rude and harsh way. But there's a way to do it in compassion, you know, and a way to do it in love and charity. And so I, I find problem with that is that it's, it's like putting you in a box like, oh, I better not say anything because I really do care about these people. I really do care about my black brothers and sisters. But if I if I say something, then I'm I'm going to be seen as not being compassionate, like. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, so we can't get any further in our conversations like that. But also look at the double standard here because that in turn, then they have to say that, well, when they give critique of white people and, you know, and the systemic racism and people who, who they believe are being fragile in their whiteness and everything else is white fragility. Well, they're not showing compassion then because they're being critical. They're criticizing people. Based on you know their standing in life and the wealth or the, uh, the skin color and everything else, they're being critical. So obviously they're lacking compassion, right? See, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, you know. And so, and this part isn't helpful. Like that's not helpful for us going forward in the conversation. It just stands to hold us back. So um, let's continue.
1: let your contribution also be listening? A friend of mine. Uh, tweeted something last week that his professor said in college. He said that listening, he said like this, being listened to is so close to being loved that people can hardly tell the difference. Listening, hearing, and not just acknowledging or waiting to respond, yeah, finish, 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 so I can tell you you're wrong. But hearing somebody in such a way that you believe what you hear that
0: let me let me let him finish
1: <laughs> builds relationship, which then opens the door for a change of direction.
0: All right. So <clears throat> there's a lot here and I'm gonna try not to be too long with this. So the second part is let your contribution be listening. And we hear this a lot all the time. All you got to do is listen. Y'all not listening. Listen, 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 listen. That's it. And it's assumed that we're not listening because we give critique, but that doesn't make sense. And it never has made sense. You know, we we give a critique because we have listened, you know, and this doesn't work in any other place, in any other place where we're talking about sharing the truth of God's word or or apologetics in any context like we listen Right. We listen to people. We listen to people's arguments and their their objections with the scriptures. We listen to them. But then we also give critique on what they say and we bring the truth. That's what we do. That's the exchange. Right. Even in sharing the gospel, that's a critique on one's life, you know, and what they should do. Right. That's what we're telling them. And so it's with with that. That's with compassion. But it's also because we listen to them, you know, and I understand he talking about, you know, there are some people who listen To respond like I get that Some people who ain't trying to hear what you got to say They're trying to wait till you finish So they can respond But I want you to hear this too When you've heard the same arguments Over and over and over and over And over again and have Responded to those arguments over And over and over and over again Then yeah you get to that point It's the same thing when you're dealing with the atheists What about the atheists who say Oh God can't be real because he, He condones murdering babies Like you've heard that. So, okay, we listen to respond because we already know what they're they're saying. We already know what to say. You see what I'm saying? It ain't that weird. And then we don't listen to believe what they're saying. You know, like that's not why you listen to someone. And he says, uh, you know, don't just listen to acknowledge. Like, no, I'm going to listen to acknowledge. I'm acknowledging what you say. I'm listening. So I understand what you're saying. I'm acknowledging what you're saying. But that doesn't make it true. And he's saying that the only way you can truly listen to someone, if you're listening in a way to believe what they're saying. Yo, that's not that doesn't work in any context. Definitely doesn't work biblically. You know, you don't hear biblically where we just listen to believe everything. No, the Bible even tells us to try everything by the spirit. So if we hear something that's false that we're listening. Right. We're listening to what someone is saying and it's false. The Bible doesn't tell us to believe everything we hear. You know, so we have to have discernment in order to be discerning. We have to be critical in our thinking and in our listening. So it makes absolutely no sense to tell someone, hey, for you to truly love me, you must listen to me. But listen to me without critique. Listen to me without wanting to respond and listen to me. And, uh, you know, and just believe what I'm telling you. That makes no sense. No sense. And this, you know, I I doubt I doubt that KB would use this argument or use that that way of thinking when it comes to him sharing the truth of God's word to anyone else. If he's talking to a Muslim and a Muslim is trying to tell him, be critical about his life and and tell him and and wants him to listen to his ideals and what he thinks the right, the right way to go. He won't stand for that. He won't listen to that, to believe that that's not how he would do it so maybe that needs to be some understanding of what he means by listening to believe, to actually believe what you're saying. You know, I mean, because I can believe you mean what you're saying. I can I I can listen to you and acknowledge and actually have the understanding that you actually believe what you're telling me. And this is why also I believe people like KB are, are sincere, though I think he's wrong. He's sincere. So I believe that he's for real about what he what he thinks. The issue is that what he thinks is wrong. And we have to be able to say that and have to the, the flesh that out, you know, but he's not wrong for the sake of me saying he's wrong. There's a reason why he's wrong, but we can't get there if we're, you know, cut off at the knees and can't speak about it, you know, because we're not truly listening, you know, or we're not being truly compassionate to their standards. All right. So, yeah.
1: OK, think about the relationship with God. Without hearing him, you don't you can't know him. You don't know what he wants or who he is, and he interacts with us through listening through his word, to his word, talking to him and him talking to us, right? Faith comes by hearing.
0: By- but notice the exchange when he when he gives the comparison between us and God. There is an exchange. God speaks to us through his word, but we also respond. You see what I'm saying? Like there's a there's a response whether we believe or, or don't believe. There's a response. You know, so there's obviously an exchange going on here, right? And so when we pray to God, he still responds to his word. He's listening to us, right? He listens to our prayers. He hears our prayers, but he doesn't just not respond. He responds to his word. And Sometimes that response is something we don't like. Sometimes that response is something that goes against what we think because we're flesh and his thoughts are higher than ours. Is God wrong? You know what I'm saying? For For not believing in what we say, even though he hears us? No, he's God. You know, so I don't know that's, I don't know, that was a pretty good, I don't know, that was a good um, comparison to bring and bring to bear for KB here, but, you know, but to me, I see an exchange between two beings here. You got God and man. There's an exchange here, conversation, where KB is saying, only way we can have a dialogue is if you listen to me and don't be critical. You know, and he says, don't let your first contribution be critiqued. You know, once again, if you haven't invested anything, even though you've invested time and, and energy and listening to what's being said, you know, so not go down that rabbit hole again. But it's, it's, it's like a, the domino effect, this bad premise and everything else falls off afterwards.
1: By the word of God, now that's obviously in the salvation sense, but there's a principle of that 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 I think applies to our interpersonal relationships. If I can't talk to you and you hear me and have faith in what you're hearing, you can't speak into my life.
0: And that's to me, yo, it's like you're basically saying like, yo, you got to you got to trust in what I'm telling you. It's the only way you you can have an exchange or dialogue if you trust in what I'm saying to you. The problem is we don't trust in what you're saying because you're saying things that are along the lines of critical theory. And that's not nothing that we can trust because it's not based on anything true, you see? And so if you're telling me that the only way we can have a discussion and the reason why you won't talk to people like myself is because we won't have faith in what you're saying, that's scary, guys. That is scary. Because that means we can never have a fruitful dialogue, ever, because I would never trust in that. And see, the thing is, you shouldn't talk to me for hopes that I would trust in what you're saying. You should have a conversation with me to help me see the truth in what you're saying. Help me see the truth in what you're saying. And that's why we want to have a dialogue. I don't want you to have faith in what I'm telling you. I want you to trust in what the truth is. You see, if I can point you to the truth, the foundation, then follow the truth. Because the Bible says that all truth is God's. All truth belongs to him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The goal is to show you the truth. Now, whether you accept it or not, that's on you. But that's our job. and So your job should be the same. If you feel like this is a gospel issue, then you should be trying to show us the truth. Not hoping that we trust and have faith in what you're saying in order to have a dialogue. That's why, man, we would never be able to have a fruitful conversation with ideas like this. Like this, this is how we do anything else. KB doesn't go and share the gospel to anybody else with this mindset. He doesn't go and have a conversation with anyone else about anything else with this kind of mindset. It's only with this issue that people are having this kind of mindset where you can't have a dialogue. I've never seen in the, uh, across all of apologetics and everything else that we deal with, and all the time you know, you know, singing the songs and everything else. I've never seen where people are so afraid of having a drawn out conversation about something they deem is so important because when it comes to anything else, we can talk for days. We can talk for hours. But when it comes to this, we can't even talk for two minutes. And it's a shame. It's a shame.
1: So listen, let me say part B. uh, That was A of part two. But let me just say B. The second thing would be if you are a white person who by, Merit of sort of existing it's not like you've you've intentionally tried to to turn your back on all things that have to do with race it's not the that that you are simply just bathing in a fragility that makes you uh recalcitrant to all conversations that have to do with the vulnerable you've just been kind of living your life and not realize that there's a second America here where people are suffering and hurting and are, are uh, uh, and dying at the hands of state violence. If you're just finding this out, or if you've been mildly aware of it throughout the years, Christian minister, white evangelical Christian minister, but you have not spoken out against it, or you have not been intentional about defending it, you probably haven't done that because you have not realized how serious it is, or you refuse to realize how serious it is, or it might interrupt those who don't care about that who are giving you money. Here's an opportunity for you as well.
0: Whew. <laughs> Yo, guys, you gotta understand how much it took for me not to keep pausing that guy when he was when he was saying all that. And I want you to—I don't know if you noticed know the word that he used earlier, recalcitrant. White people who, you know, saying you may not be recalcitrant. Like that's that's a big word. Let me tell you something. I looked that word up. I had to look it up because I never heard it before until he said it, and I was like, "Ooh, that sounds that sounds spicy." Let me let me look that word up. And so the basicness of that word is basically like you're being rebellious, like you're being stubborn and rebellious against ideas and beliefs and understanding. That's what it, that's basically it. You look up the word and and break it down. That's what it is. It's the fact that you're being stubborn and rebellious against a set ideas, set the set ideas of beliefs. Like, so if you're a white person, you know, and you may not be recalcitrant. You may not be bucking up against what this, what these ideas are, which the ideas be you know, going along with the critical race theory and everything else. So you may not be that type. And that right there bothered me. When I, I mean, it bothered me when I looked at the word and realized what it meant. It's makes like, man, so for all you white people out there, <laughs> that's what he said. He said to you white people, all you white people out there who are recalcitrant, you sit there, you stubborn and you bucket up against what you know you should be believing in. You should be believing in this right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like something wrong with y'all. Like, you know, you ain't got you know what I'm saying you may not have a chance because you know only these ones who ain't recalcitrant, you know what I'm saying, who ain't bathing in white fragility, you know, like you know, they have a chance. But y'all, y'all y'all too far gone. You know what I'm saying? It's too far, it's too y'all too far gone. Y'all can't catch up to this. All right. But for you out there, who just happened just to not know what's going on around you. You know, here's a chance for you. That's what he's going to let you know. He's going to tell us how you can bring yourself into the fold. All right. And then you got these white evangelical leaders, right. Who are being silent and not speaking out against these, these said injustices, you know? So now here's your chance to, you know, come back in the fold to, to make yourself useful in this time, you know? And these are a lot of assumptions that we already dealt with that in the last video. The assumptions of what is unjust. You know, we have a, a lot of stuff happen, guys. You know, you had um, this year in 2020, we had Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, you know, George Floyd. Uh, you had a gentleman in Atlanta. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, last name Brooks. Like, there's four instances, right? But not all those instances are the same. And not all of those were unjust. You see what I'm saying? But it's how the media has painted it to us that caused us to get all in the fit. You know, And so now if you don't speak out against these assumed injustices, then you are part of the problem. You see what I'm saying? You're part of the problem because you don't speak out against these assumed injustices. You know, but, you know, oh man, It, it would take us to break down every case, every case to really show evidence for each one to show whether or not it was just or unjust but i'm afraid guys i'm afraid that even if you bring all the evidence to bear if you bring all the truth out that these people won't care because it doesn't fit the narrative and it takes away the steam out of what they're trying to push for for critical race theory and everything else they're doing you know it's gonna take the steam out and so they're not gonna to listen to any evidence they gotta to listen to the stats they're not gonna to listen to that. As much as they talk about how listening equals compassion, they show their lack of compassion by not listening to the truth and the evidence. You know, and just looking and just using their minds, using logic. You know, it just goes away because it doesn't fit the narrative, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's interesting, very interesting.
1: You can say sorry, Jesus, and I'm in the game to listen-
0: so now, for you, for you who aren't um, recalcitrant, who haven't been you know bucking up against these ideas, and evangelical leaders who haven't spoken out against these things, here's your chance. You can say, "Sorry, Jesus, I'm in the game." Guys, this is why I told you, man. See, if you thought I was going too far in the last video when I said that he's likening this to like a salvation, like a like you sinned against God in this in this issue, he's just showed it here. Why else do you apologize to Jesus? Because you've sinned. The reason why we ask the Lord for forgiveness is because we have sinned against God and we seek forgiveness. And so he's saying, hey, if you've been silent on these issues, if you've been sitting here, you know, um, not aware of the suffering of people and, you know, and booking up against the system and everything else, you need to repent. You need to repent. All right you have sinned against god because you haven't bought into the narrative of critical race theory you haven't bought into the narrative of assumed injustices without any basis you have bought into you haven't bought into it, and therefore you have sinned against god you sinned against god and you need to repent you need to say sorry jesus i'm in the game all right so apologize and then get ready you know strap your boots up and get in this fight because as kb said earlier this is the good fight, so if you're not participating in it, there's something wrong with you.
1: listen, and it is on my black brothers and sisters to make space for white allies. yes, my-
0: now now so now to the black woke people, because this is who's addressing when he say my black Brazilian about the woke crowd, the black woke it's up to them to make space for white allies, all right now you're an ally if you say sorry, Jesus. And that you're in the game. You, now you're an ally. And now if you ain't apologizing to the Lord for you know, for your recalcitrance, and you not you know coming along with the narrative and everything else, and you know if you're not speaking out on the issues as they believe you should speak out on them, if you're not doing that stuff, then you're you're not an ally. You know, what's now, guys? Tell me this. What's the opposite of an ally? What is the opposite? An enemy. An enemy. You're talking about Christian brothers and sisters. Who are an enemy? You're calling an enemy. We're all part of the same body, but they're an enemy because they don't see things the way you see them. And like you said, how can you talk to someone if they don't have faith in what you're telling them? If they don't trust in what you're saying, no dialogue, no back and forth, no exchange. You got to believe what I tell you, and that's it. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, then we can't. Then you're not an ally. You're an enemy. You're recalcitrant, guys, man. This is this is so scary, man. It's so scary, man.
1: Malcolm X, excellent biog- biography, biography of Malcolm X. He says one of the greatest regrets of uh, his um, of his work in the world was this moment that he had at a cafe in Harlem when this little white girl came all the way from the West Coast to find him and say, I heard your message. I had no idea this was was happening to to, to human beings in our country or to the degree that it's happening. How can I help? And Malcolm X looked this woman in the face and said, you cannot help. Essentially, you are the problem. He says, I regret that. I regret doing that. I think about the third gentleman who was on the stage in the uh, Olympics in Mexico's back in the sixties, I believe.
0: Before he get into some Olympic gentleman, it's interesting that he talks about what happened with Malcolm X and the white girl. And I remember that situation. And I remember uh, hearing about that and, you know, seeing it or seeing it on uh, television, like, you know, later or later approached him. And he's like, you can't help. Like, you know, there's a video of that. You can look it up. Um, but the thing is, back during that time, there were true injustices. Now, I already beat this dead horse in the last video. I'm not trying to go down that road again this time. I'm, saying I'm not going to try to be this long, but. There was true injustices, right? True so, true things was going on. And there were some people who were truly just ignorant of not knowing what was going on around them. Because things in the South were different than they were in the North. Though they heard about them in see, like you hear about in the news. But some people just didn't hear about it in a degree as others. You know, the news traveled faster today than it used to. You know, that's just, just how it is. You know, and so, yeah, he probably did regret all that. That's cool. So he's trying to appeal to the woke, the woke Blacks to make room make space for white allies the problem is that the situations that was going on then are not going on now you know and then (laughs) the issues that you're deeming to be unjust today aren't truly unjust you know and so it's like you know and not every story let me be fair not everything that y'all claiming to be unjust are unjust but in order for us to uh flesh that out we have to have a meaningful dialogue which people like kb and others are not willing to do you know, because he's like he said, you believe what you you believe in what you're being told. And then that moves into a change of direction. The goal is for you to come our way, come this way, not to really see if this is the right way to go at, at all, but that, hey, we got the right way. Come our way. If it don't lead to coming our way, then we don't need to talk at all. And that's, you know, that, that's unfortunate.
1: The the, the the white Australian sprinter who got on the podium with these other two black uh, brothers who had their fists high. And this gentleman had the pin that, that that, that he was wearing the pin on the stadium in solidarity with these two black brothers saying that I joined them. I'm risking my career as a sprinter to say that I agree with this injustice against black people. I, I, I disagree with this injustice against black people to then He went home. There's a great story about this. Please look it up. He went home to Australia and was disgraced. Never allowed to run uh, on on the levels that he kept qualifying for. He kept qualifying to keep going, but they wouldn't allow him because he was disgraced with the other two men who put their fists up. He went back to a community, a white community that disregarded him. And what I'm saying is. Is that there are individuals that are like him who are out there in the world who want to join our fight. Dear black Christian, black brother, black sister who loves Jesus. If you feel like God is calling you and he's giving you the chops to go back and forth with with, uh, majority culture Christians who do not. Think that this is real and that we're making stuff up with a bunch of crybabies and and they just, if you want to go back and forth with those folks, I think there's probably some real merit and love in that. If you, if you got the energy to wake up every morning, fighting them for, for t- trying to get them to care about your issues, be my guess.
0: Yeah, so let me be sure that like, nah, I don't think y'all crybabies. I, I, you know, I don't know who's, maybe some people have called you crybabies. I mean, so much has been said in this conversation. Like I said, it's been exhausting. I'm pretty sure somebody probably called y'all crybabies and, you know, it's just making stuff up. You know, like I said, I believe I believe KB sincere. I believe others who other black Christians who voice these issues are being sincere. I just think they're blinded. They're blinded by a racial lens. That's why they can't see the they, they can't see the truth. The veil is still over their eyes. You know, just like when you're talking to anybody else in the world, in the culture, the veil is over their eyes. They can't see the truth, you know, and that's what it is. So no, I'm not saying you making it up like you know it's a ghost you know you've been duped you've been played but you can't see it you know you you can't see it right now because your emotions are, are run amok in you and you can't see it. You know? You can't see it. And and that's that's the bad thing. That's why we're wanting to talk and wanting to have the conversation. That's why we're willing to endure. And it's the thing man Like doesn't the scripture says love endures all things and it's interesting that on our side on the quote unquote majority culture Christian side, as he says it, we're willing to endure the conversation with you guys. There's nothing here that we have to hide where we can't talk to you. There's no amount of fighting or or pushback that you can give that make us say we're done talking to you. But it's it's sad to me that Christians. Are willing to shut the door on other brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I don't got time. I don't, I can't endure you. I can't endure your conversation because we don't agree. And that is sad because as Christians, we're supposed to care for one another, we're supposed to think more of each other than ourselves. And you know, but that's that's not the case here. It's not a give and take here it's like i'm going to take 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 and you got to be the one to do all the giving you know it won't work like this we won't get anywhere like this period we'll be in the same boat three year more three more years from now the same exact boat
1: but for many of us what will happen if we do that is that we will miss a wonderful opportunity to connect with all of the majority cor- culture members and christians who do understand this issue hundreds and thousands of them are on our side they do get what we're saying they don't know what to do they don't have the answers they shouldn't we should give them the answers and help lead them in this but we ought to give them a place at the table because civil rights was progress experienced progress through alliances with the majority culture
0: oh man so if I, he can't talk to us because if he talks to people if he wait, if he spends his time you no know, going back and forth and having dialogue with people who disagree with him then he's going to miss all the opportunities to talk to hey all these people who are on the fence who who do want to come on our side you know they they believe in what we're doing you know they agree with us we're going to miss those opportunities guys those people will still be there they'll be there They'll always be there until someone talks to them and they start to see otherwise. They'll always be there. And he says, they don't have the answers. We got to give them the answers. So KB got all the answers. Other, other woke brothers got all the answers. You know, and so, hey, y'all can't fend for yourself. If you white and if you are, if you're a majority Christian, as he's saying, and, and you're thinking about coming on that side, you ain't got no answers. I remember you can't contribute nothing yet. You got to be, you got to be told what to, what to do. You got to be, you got to be led into the right way you don't know and obviously the bible can't tell you the bible doesn't have the answer for how to go forward with this the bible doesn't have it they got to let you know they gotta let you know because the scriptures are only sufficient when it comes to salvation the scriptures aren't sufficient when it comes to our everyday life and how we should deal with one another right i mean that's that's obviously what it is because if you're a christian that means you have you know you have a foundation of the scriptures but you still ain't got an answer for this racial issue Not yet, you gotta wait till You know, one of these woke brothers tell you You know Man, that, I'm sorry If you make it seem like, okay, Jamal like, you know, He ain't saying the scriptures ain't sufficient Like, no, I don't know about you But you're talking about Christians here Who obviously don't have an answer for what's going on in the, script, in the culture So they gotta come to other people For the answers instead of the scriptures That's what it sounds like to me Now you guys let me know in the comments what you think But that's what I hear from that
1: when people say don't riot, uh, especially people that are not invested in this co- this conversation, people didn't go off on Killer Mike when he said don't riot. People, people didn't go off on, on Louis Farrakhan when he says don't riot. No, no, nobody's going off on people who are invested in the community when they say, hey, let's not burn things down, all right? But oftentimes when you hear don't riot, it sounds like don't be angry. And let me be clear.
0: I don't know how in the world that he gets that interpretation someone says clear it's a, it's a clear thing i mean angry anger is very broad you know you could be like bible tells you be angry and sin night <laughs> you could be angry and sin not the Bible also says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, so we have definitely an anger that is you know that's decent that you know that can produce some good. But then there's anger that can't, that won't, right? The Bible tells us to be angry and sin not, you know? So why would a Christian tell you not to be angry at something that's, that's unjust? Why would you even interpret when someone says, hey, you shouldn't riot? You interpret that in your lens to say, they're saying I, should, I, they're saying I shouldn't be angry. Where do you get that from? You ran well. Who bewitched you? I don't understand that logic. Someone help me. If something is unjust, like like for instance, murdering of unborn children, we should be angry about that. That is a righteous anger. God is angry at that. When someone is murdered unjustly no matter what color of skin they are God is angry with that and we should be angry with that the thing is to sin not be angry and sin not rioting is sinning so when someone says don't riot you should as a christian you should interpret that as someone saying you shouldn't let your anger cause you to sin I don't understand. That's all I can say on this part, guys. I don't understand that. How do you interpret that? That seems to me like, I hate to say that seems like deceitful. Like you're trying to make an excuse for, you know, because I don't think he's trying to make an excuse for rioting, but he's he's basically saying, like, don't tell me to riot. Don't tell me not to riot because you're not invested in this conversation. Like, you're a Christian. You know the scriptures, but you're not invested. So you're telling us not to riot. You're trying to tell me not to be angry. That's beyond me, guys. It's beyond me
1: sounds like don't be angry and let me be clear and the bible will back me up on this there is much beauty and value in anger what i'm saying to you is don't waste your anger your anger is not infinite anger can be emptied it's like a cup that can be poured out and it can be poured out in a way that produces a kind of result that leaves us in a situation that we're trying to escape. Obviously, burning down black owned businesses out of anger at racist policing is like slitting your whole your own neck, trying to drown the person who's attacking you. Oh, I- uh,
0: this, Yeah, I, you know, well, uh, man. Why does it have to be just black owned businesses burning down anyone's property, burning down anyone's property with the statues that people don't like, whatever it may be, they're not your property, burning down, tearing down, destroying things that are not yours, doesn't belong to you. is sinful. Why does it have to be black owned? He's saying basically like you're cutting your own neck, like you're hurting yourself you burning that like you're a black community you're the black community and you're trying to and you're burning down black-owned businesses like you're basically you're trying to go against your enemy who's the white folks you know, people who bought into whiteness you are trying to go against them by burning down black-owned businesses you're making them happy and you're cutting your own neck because they just want to see you die anyway so you're just doing them a favor but man you're a christian you're a christian you shouldn't be burning down anyone's building, anyone's thing, not because of the fact that it's like cutting your own neck. Yo, that's not Christian. That is not Christian. You don't you don't tell somebody, hey, don't do bad things because it's gonna bring it's gonna bring harm to yourself in this world. Like, no, the issue is sin. The issue is sin. Like, no, no, don't do it because it's sinful. Don't don't just not just black owned businesses, but white owned businesses. You know, saying structures that were built, that was put up that you may not like, they're not yours. They don't belong to you. Why are you tearing them down? Why are you destroying things? God has not called us to that.
1: I got something for you. Ha! I'll bleed on you to death. We don't attack ourselves to push back against the enemy. It doesn't make sense. And we know it doesn't make sense because it really isn't about the justice at that moment. It's about the rage and exploitation making us out to be counterproductive. So that should be obvious to us. Okay. However, you still got this anger. What should we do with it? use the window you we got a small window where we're actually furious about this many of us are constantly angry constantly living in rage you're just hearing about three stories that actually went viral but these are the kinds of stories that are happening all the time and maybe not to the degree of death but the kind of tension i got i got i got this saturday this
0: okay now after he gives the story I'm going to I'm gonna end this video because this story is going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm probably going to spend some time on it. So, um, after this story he gives, then we're going to end this one. Guys, I made it a lot farther this time. You guys should be proud of me. You know, we're at 11 minutes already. We only got like, what, three minutes left? You know, probably less than two minutes. So, hey, we did pretty good, all right? So, I appreciate you. Here we go.
1: Last Saturday, I had a neighbor attack a guest of mine over nothing
0: now notice he said his neighbor attacked a guest of his and his neighbor attacked a guest of his now how did he attack him or he or she attacked his guest? we're gonna see you know and what was the reason the the guest was attacked we're gonna see you know but this is what he's saying like people are angry hey These there are things that are going on in this world that you know we're we're not hearing about as much. This is what he's saying. You know, we've heard about three instances that went viral, but this this kind of stuff is happening all the time. And not just, you know, and they're not all to the degree of death, but they're happening all the time. And he's gonna give you an example of one. Of one. The only
1: thing we can point to is race. We are dealing with this interaction.
0: Now, I had to rewind it a bit, rewind that again, because I want you guys to hear that again. I want you to hear straight through without me pausing it. So he said he has a neighbor who attacked a guest of his, and the only thing they can point to was race. The only thing. Now he doesn't go into detail as far as how what the attack was. It isn't. He doesn't go into detail as far as um you know what make him think it was it could only be race. He just says it. You know, we assume. He said his neighbor, so we assume this is a white neighbor, and we assume that his guest had to be a black person. He don't say whether they're male or female, just say guest. You know, so we have to assume those two things because of the whole narrative or the context of this whole conversation, or the, or this monologue, all right? So we got that, that this is obviously a white person and a black person, you know, but the white person attacked the black person and, it could, and the only thing they could point to was race. That was it.
1: These are the kinds of stories that are happening all the time, and maybe not to the degree of death, but the kind of tension I got. I got, I got this Saturday, this last Saturday, I had a neighbor attack a guest of mine over nothing. The only thing we could point to is race.
0: Now, I'm gonna stop here. So, this is 11 11 minutes and 39 seconds, guys. Did good today. <laughs> Look, man, this is why I have a problem with this part here. So, my thing: if there, if you're trying to show an example of of this true tension between race, you know, races between blacks and whites in this sense, and this this justifiable anger that people are having, you know, then it would be it would it would you would think that you would want to give a better example of of, a, of something that took place to show you that it's not always to the degree of death but you know it's something like this can happen right you know some kind of aggression right so he points to an attack on his guest from a neighbor all right and he says it was over nothing now we don't know the details of that i mean only kb the guest the neighbor and god know they're all the ones who truly know the nature of that confrontation you know so i don't want to i don't i want to hope all things i want to believe all things for my brother here that he's not telling us a lie that they didn't really get into it. Like, I'm pretty sure they probably did get into it. But when you say over nothing, that's subjective. You know, that's that's subjective. Because to the neighbor, it could have been over something. You know, like something valid. It could have been. And the guest may, may have done something that required the neighbor to say something. Could have. We don't know all the details. You know, we're just going off what KB said. But this is the thing I have a problem with. Because, like I said, we don't know all the details as far as the conversation. Ain't much to say there. The problem I have is the automatic assumption of it being a racist issue. The only thing we can point to is race. KB, that's a neighbor of yours. And you're telling me the only example you can tell us of tension is a neighbor attacking your guest. Why not the neighbor attacking you being that it was your neighbor? Aren't you black? So, why not? Why haven't the neighbor attacked you? Why? Why didn't you come up with a, come with a story of the neighbor saying something to you out of the way? And this is my thing: if if someone truly said something wrong to you in that sense or did something wrong that was that was like racist, you would have said something vague as attacked. You would have you would have been more direct with it, like like oh man, they they said they it called him a this, called him a that, or you know saying. It said racial slurs. No problem. You didn't want to go into details. You you would have clearly said, my neighbor yelled out racial slurs at my guest. Or my neighbor, you know, basically made, made fun of, mocked my guest based on the skin color. Like, you know, something. No detail. I mean, not a lot of detail, but just something. Because you're trying to demonstrate the kind of tension that is going on. So you would have been more direct in that. So the fact that you just left it so vague, you know, it's like what how, how do you like how do you assume it was race? How do you automatically assume it's race? And then you say, well, Jamal, you weren't there, so how do you know? Because he said the only thing they can point to was race. That means they had to think about this. They had to think about, man, like, what happened? Like, man, they, they really got upset. <laughs> it had because you're black, man. Come be no other reason. I mean, they had a. I mean, I'm pretty sure they had a pretty good day today. I'm pretty sure that you know they ain't going through nothing in their mind. They was they was doing pretty good until you showed up at my place. You know, when you showed up at my place, they, they you know saying they meter went up, they race meter went up, and they had to attack you. That that's the only way we can. That's the only thing we come up with, guys. You know, that makes absolutely no sense. No sense. And I feel bad for that neighbor. I I feel bad for the neighbor man because this is what happens. People get bear false witness against false witness. You had you mad at me because my black skin. That's bearing false witness. You don't know, but you're assuming that and you're using that as an example of racial tension. When that couldn't have been, that may not even been the issue and you don't know that. But as a Christian who's supposed to not want to bear false witness against other people who who, who does who wants to seek the truth and be truthful not to bring a charge against someone unless it's valid like why would you just automatically assume it's race without actually talking to your neighbor and finding out what it is or you worry about oh they won't tell me the truth anyway well let that be between them and god then but you can't automatically assume it's race because it, it, your neighbor attacked him over nothing because my thing is that's your neighbor Your that was a guest in your place but that's your neighbor so why didn't you have a story about your neighbor attacking you? I mean, it seemed like your neighbor all of a sudden would cool with black people until your, your guest showed up. Don't make sense to me. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, you know? But that's my right. I don't have to buy it, you know? And this is why I guess we can't be one have a conversation because I don't have faith in what he's saying. I don't have faith. I don't trust what he's saying. You know, and so, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. But that's why we can't have conversations, we can't have dialogues, you know. Anyway, guys, this is all I'm going to do for tonight. And I will thank you guys for listening, for watching. Once again, you can contact me by emailing me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. If you want to call me, you can get the number in the description as well. Um, I don't know when I will do the part three, probably sometime maybe later on this week or next week. Uh, thank you guys, once again for all those who watched before. And watch the other one and all the responses and the shares. Um, share this video. You know, like it if you like it, if you find it helpful and everything else. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.